can you hear me? Everything all right? Yes, I can hear. Oh, okay. I can hear you. Plum Fandango. <laughs> That's funny to me, and I still don't even know what the hell it is, really. And now it's time to sit back and enjoy the two true freaks internet radio broadcast. Stop it! Disenfranchised by the modern comics industry, producer Paul Spitaro, Dr. Bill Robinson, and Scott H. Gardner now ply the time stream in a never-ending quest to rediscover and reconnect with that unique brand of fun and excitement that can only truly be found in good old-fashioned, randomly selected comic book back issues. Journey with them now. Back. Back. To the bins. I got nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else to go. I got nothing else. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spataro, and I am here today with Mr. Scott H. Gardner. Hello. H is for hello. And <laughs> Dr. Bill Robinson. And the H, wait, I don't have an H. The oh, preparation well, no. H. No, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get a uh, a fundraiser up to buy Bill an H. I'll buy him some preparation H. <laughs> you know, I tried that once, but it really bothered my lips. <laughs> <laughs> Which it's time for. What scares me is I don't know if you're joking. <laughs> Well, it's time for a real life with Dr. Bill. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time oh God. for a real life with Dr. Bill Robinson. Now, we've been doing these shows for so long that maybe we'll repeat stories, but this is a story from back when I was a young wee lad staying at my aunt's house. And I took what down, down what I believed to be a tube of toothpaste paste, and proceeded to brush my teeth. I I come out was to my Vagisil? aunt. I come. Let me finish the story. I come out to my 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 aunt. I'm like, this toothpaste tastes terrible. And my aunt looks at the tube. She's like, you're brushing your teeth with Brill cream. <laughs> well, you know what they say. A little dab will do you. <laughs> you gotta finish it, Paul. It's been so long. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been real life. So, and grill cream tastes like garbage. <laughs> it's supposed to be in your hair, not your mouth. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, generally I would say that's true. Anyway, we are here today to conclude our look at Justice Society of America Strange Adventures as we look at issue number six. And what a long, strange trip it's been. So... Do we want to get right into it, or do we have anything, any preamble that we need to discuss? I will just throw out there that I don't care for the cover for this one. <laughs> we'll start. We'll start off with that, and then we'll work our way through it. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, this is not my favorite cover of of the uh, series, and and I'll, I guess we'll give the background on that. It's got the white background, and it's got the heroes running or flying from the right side of the cover to the left 
we have starting from the bottom and working our way up we have the flash in the bottom right corner our man in the central center bottom I'm thinking that's Wildcat's arm at the left bottom but I'm not certain yeah. Yeah. then we have Mr. Terrific on the left bottom then flying on the right we have uh, Starman behind him is Dr. Fate and behind him is Green Lantern and then on the left side is the Thunderbolt with Johnny Thunder riding on his back and with a fist in the air. Uh, not a great cover, I agree. What's what, what's what's amusing you here? This this whole cover. I first time I saw this, I'm like, what the heck is going on here? This looks like a bunch of color forms slapped on the on a white piece yeah. of paper it, yeah, i mean yeah. i would imagine based on the covers of the other issues that we've had that this is an attempt to create a feel of a pulp pulp novel or pulp uh, magazine i just don't remember ever seeing any oh, that looked if, quite if, like if, this i'm sorry if it does it fails miserably because for me looking at um at Starman, I thought he had a giant fin on his head. The first thing I was like, when did he get a big, oh wait, that's Dr. Fate's costume. I thought that was a fin coming off the top of his oh, head. His shoulder eplet? His shoulder eplet looks like it's coming, you know, if you glance quickly, I was like, what is wrong with, what is wrong with his head? Oh, oh, wait. And is Johnny, is Johnny Thunder flipping somebody off in traffic? No, I think, he's, I think he's pumping a fist because he's excited. Yeah, That's I know what, what he's doing, but it looks more like he's, you know, like he just cut somebody off and trapped. Or he's you saying, know, I'll just... give him the bird. <laughs> give the bird. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's not great. And uh, Mr. Terrific looks like the wrecker. <laughs> and the Flash, you can't even see. His, <laughs> like, it's like they're hiding his face. Uh, I don't like it. No, yeah. sir. Don't like it. So we're all in agreement. Yeah, I think so. So now it's time to move on to our story. It it could have been helped. Okay, maybe with something in the background. The all white for this doesn't help. No, this makes it even more stark and standoutish. Yeah, I think if it had some sort of a, you know, some sort of a color scheme in the background or some sort of background art it might have improved it. Well, i don't know maybe but, flying over the desert towards a dam or a but lake honestly even the individual renderings of the heroes i don't think is very good in this particular one i don't think no. their bodies look so bad but their faces do yeah you can't even see half their faces especially johnny thunder just looks so st- i don't know ah ah bah all I have to say about the cover. Bah, and it ain't a B. So this was March of 2005, and it had a cover price of $3.50. Bill, do you have a synopsis for us? Yes, the JSA reaches the dam where... Um... Boy, oh. Dynamo. Yeah, thank Man, wow. That Alzheimer's is catching, Paul. Where Lord Dynamo <laughs> is ready to power up. That was a little pre-show discussion. And uh, basically, fight, 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 fight. Set a bomb. and scratchy show. Boom goes Lord Dynamo. Down goes Dynamo. Down goes Dynamo. Uh, Yeah, the JSA gets the better of him and his troops. And his plans are foiled. 
Johnny Thunder gets, uh, it, I mean, I, I could do this all in cl- cliches, you know, Johnny Thunder gets his groove back or his genie back. And, um, uh, remind me, well, there's a scene that reminds me a lot of Indiana Jones and the last crusade. I'm sure you guys know which page that is. Maybe not. Sean Connery in it? Nope. I guess we'll get to that when we get to it. And then at the end, uh, I was thinking of um, episode one of Star Wars. As Lord Dynamo floats down through the water and there's they, they, they show these fish. And I was thinking they're all, there's always a bigger fish. Because <laughs> I don't know. Because <laughs> Lord Dynamo just shrinks and slowly disappears into the lake. But then I was like, did he get eaten by a fish? What happened? I'm a little confused. I mean, that's really, I mean, well, and then Johnny, because we're going to cover it more in depth. That's why I didn't go that deep. Um, You know, basically the heroes win and uh, everybody feels good about themselves. And Lord Dynamo is never seen again, as far as we know. Actually, he's never seen again. We get a smiling fish at the end. Yeah, we get, well, that's that's because the fish ate him. (laughs) And I guess. There's always a bigger fish. Exactly. See, Scott, Scott's on board with me. All right, well, that's that's Bill's stellar synopsis. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'll be here all week. <laughs> did, did you pre-write that one? No, I didn't write nothing. It's all off the top of my head after I read it before did I took a nap. Little head. I read it an hour or so ago, took a nap. You guys woke me up, and I jumped right on the show. And, I'm the, old. Show, and the, show re- the show hasn't recovered yet. Exactly. <laughs> many, many years. So okay, so let's 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 dive into this thing. Uh, the story opens up on the dirigible, where uh, Mr. Williamson, who is not looking like himself in the very first panel, I don't think, is screaming that he wants to, them to let him go, and then the main flunky of Lord Dynamo is uh, questioning that. Does this he, guy uh, have a name? No. no. Yeah, he does, but we we forgot it. He Nazi, does have a Nazi name. dude. All right. I here's my my issue with this issue. with this installment with this chapter. It's your issue with this. Why issue. why is this guy so devoted to Dynamo? I thought Dynamo because made, he's evil what? and or because he brought him back to life. Because plot. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah I don't get it. Because there was that other guy earlier in this that told the whole origin story of the zombie men and it made it I mean he he rebelled to a point where he didn't he meet Williamson because he dove out of the dirigible he was an American he was a good guy to begin with Nazi bad guy to start right so he's a all right so he's a bad guy he's a Nazi but still why is the power to because he enjoys the power given to him by Lord Dynamo I I mean I'm just I mean, I get all that, but you know, a little bit of characterization, a little bit of motivation for this guy would have been nice because as it is, he just he comes across as just bad guy. You know, that's my motivation. Generic, generic Nazi bad guy. Yeah, and and there's no motivation given. So why is he so devoted to Dynamo? Could if we just Dino- go into Olivia Newton-John singing Hopelessly Devoted to You right now? <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, no, I totally I mean, agree guy... with you. They they didn't give you nope. any type of backstory to give to make him anything more than two dimensional. Exactly. So I mean, you what sob. Is, what is now, he getting I, my out head's of... that's not that's the only thing that's going through my head right now is. Olivia Newton-John. I'm pretty confident that half the time that's all that's going through your head anyway. I think you're you're obsessed with Olivia Newton-John. No. Steiner! That's who he is. Oh, yes, yes. He sells sports memorabilia. Steiner. (laughs) And, uh... Have you never been mellow, Bill? (laughs) So anyway, he he kind of like freaks out and punches the table to show how tough he is with his robotic arm. What did that and, table ever do to you? And then as as Dr. Williamson answers to him, not Dr. Williamson, Mr. Williamson says, what could a mere writer possibly do against such a great, powerful being? But as he's saying that, the thunderbolt is kind of behind him, uh, I guess mocking him almost. <laughs> Mocking Steiner, not not Williamson. You mocking me? I'm mocking you. Then we uh, go to the next page, and and there's Lord Dynamo, and we get to see his buttock. Uh, as you says, I I thought you had sufficient imagination, but even you refuse to see me for what I am. Why do I bother helping such an insignificant people? And. How old is he supposed to be again? I think he's supposed to be about 12 or 13 is my... I thought he was at least an older teenager. But, but okay, towards the end of the book, we're going to see a scene. You know what? You know what? What? I think I saw the problem with the varying how his body type varies. Because at the end, when he's getting all powered up and juiced, his body looks more buff and bigger. I bet you his body size, because he's some type of being... He's really become a being of electricity. I bet his body mass varies or what he sees in his mind's eye as his body mass varies with his electrical power strength. If I had to make a comic book educated guess, I rest my case. That isn't a bad headcanon way to look at it, but they need right. to explain. That I to think you. they just yeah, I think they just schlub up to art maybe that was their intention but yeah it was not really explained as well so lord dynamo tells steiner to take him to the electrical cage as soon <laughs> Is as electrical see, around achieve here? my ascension we will throw him overboard why don't you throw him overboard now because now yeah plot, that was my plot. question why yeah if you're if he he says right here no, your services are no longer needed. And then he says that they plan to kill him. So just do it now. Why are In they my doing room, this? I have a gun. Batman, yeah. Why are they doing this Batman TV shit? You know, why? Why not just. OK, you're done with him. Kill him. That makes me crazy when they do that in the comics. This isn't this isn't Silver Age stuff anymore. Why are we still doing this? Yeah, no, I totally agree. There's a lot of things in this story, not necessarily this issue alone, but I was thinking of it more in this issue. A lot of times, you know, a lot of the stuff with Adam and Wildcat, where they're kind of off on their own thing, and you start thinking to yourself, but what if one of the people they come up against, or one of these robots that they just repeatedly wipe the floor with, (laughs) has any type of a gun? 
You know, it's like. Right. Then they'll take it from him. I don't know. Give me that gun. You could hurt somebody. Here, let me punch you in the face (laughs) and shatter your metallic body. And, no, uh, I, I, to some extent, I it's like exactly you, you almost you have to not think that way because that spoils the illusion. But on the other hand, it just doesn't feel like they're really doing the missions that they say. And, and you know, we, we've talked about it a couple of times where they just seem too overpowered. That they're, they're, And it happens in this issue, too. We'll get there where they're fighting robots and the robots are crumbling underneath them. And all they're doing is punching them with their fists or kicking them. And this issue kind of settles that question that we had of, are they just hitting them like bare knuckle? Because Wildcat even makes a comment about it. And again, we'll get there. But yeah, that that kind of, to me, that settled that question that we had of, okay, is, is he wearing brass knuckles or something? Or is he literally just punching them essentially bare fisted? And he's punching metal bare fisted, which is just ridiculous. It's brass ridiculous. Those funky knuckles. Oh, wait, that's Brass Monkey. I mean, I don't care how long you've been a fighter. I don't care how calloused your hands are and your knuckles and all that. You punch metal, it's going to freaking break your hand. It's going to hurt. And he just shrugs it off like, gee, you know, my knuckles are going to be sore later. No, your hands are going to be shattered is what they're going to be. I I punch metal, it hurts my hand. Wimp. What kind of superhero are you? (laughs) A normal powered one. (laughs) So the uh, dirigible comes over the Hoover Dam, and I think that's a pretty good shot, pretty cool. Just the, the very, very long shot of the dirigible over the dam, and we see you know, all the background, except why is the water black? It's night. It's dirty. It's, I'd say it's night. Then why is the dirigible throwing such a big shadow on the ground? It's the moon. <laughs> So it's being followed by a moon shadow. Oh. Moon shadow, moon shadow. Thanks, folks. Have a good night. <laughs> right? But, I mean, and, and then we cut down to the ground. These guys don't look like they're at night. That's because there's lights on the dam. Yeah, I'm flipping through it right now to see <laughs> what time of day is this supposed to be. Because I didn't Dust. think it was nighttime. Yeah, but we'll, uh, when you look, look at, at the, the sky, big... it would look darker if it was nighttime. The water wouldn't be necessarily black, but the sky would. Uh, it's the lights from Vegas. Bill, you're trying too hard now. <laughs> and we get the title to this story, which is called Thunder and Lightning. And our... Uh, it is, it, you know what? I think it is nighttime. Well, then it's poorly rendered. <laughs> yeah, it is. Because right towards the end of the story, when the dirigible... Spoiler. When the dirigible crashes... Um, it does look like the sun is rising. In, oh, yeah. In, in yeah. that shot. Yeah. So I think it is supposed to be nighttime. Which begs the question, why Why the hell are there so many workers at the dam at in the middle of the night? You know what? You know, I'll, maybe I'll accept like that there's around-the-clock workers at the dam. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there would definitely be round-the-clock workers at a power station. And no, I don't mean... At three in the morning? morning? Yes! Because what if something goes wrong? Yes, I have I have worked at the Crystal River. I had to go there and work with one of the my jobs in the past, the Crystal River Nuclear Power Plant. Now, granted, is it was that a nuclear where Jason power plant. comes from? 
Chasen. No, that's Camp oh, Crystal no. Lake. Oh, what in the lake. Yeah, that's right. I thought you worked at Rurapenti. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a shapeshifter. Except I'm stuck in the form of a fat guy. So as, <laughs> as the dirigible comes overhead, they say, prepare for total power absorption. <laughs> that sounds so hokey. Unlimited power <laughs> absorption. And then, then we get a, a two-page spread of the JSA approaching the uh, dam. And Which is fairly good, except Hawkman looks like Liberace. <laughs> what? I'm not really oh seeing that, but I think it's amusing. No, look at it. I wish my brother George was here. Well, <laughs> now, the Spectre is apparently, you know, giant-sized at this moment. He's carrying, of course. Which... He's carrying uh, Mr. Terrific... Um, yeah, Mr. Terrific, Our Man, Dr. Midnight, and the Star Spangled Kid in his hands. But are they proportioned right? Are they, or are they drawn way too small? Well, the, he could really be back there really far. And Dr. Midnight definitely looks like a uh, color form that's just put on the shot. He doesn't look like he's really standing on the hand. He looks like they just put the color form there. And I'm still not quite sure why Dr. Occult is in this group. And he can fly, I guess. Whatever. Yeah, well, yeah that was that my thing. There, there's two problems I've got here with Doctor Call. Well, actually, three. One being his presence with this team. Two, I'm pretty sure Doc can't fly. And three, um, what the hell is he holding? Because that's not the his... eye of Agamotto. No, that's yeah, that's what it looks like. But that doesn't look like his. Oh God, what is that thing called? Amulet. And the, yeah, it's that thing that he's got, but it has a very distinct pattern on it that is not shown here. So, yeah, it's it's troublesome. So uh, Green Green uh, Lantern is actually using his ring to carry Johnny Thunder by the collar of his jacket. <laughs> Some that, buttons are strong. That can't possibly be a comfortable way to be flown in somewhere. <laughs> when, when all Green Lantern has to do is, is, is use his imagination to, to, to create a big hand for him to stand on, just like the other guys have. Breathe, stupid, breathe. He even says, gee, I hope my collar doesn't rip. Here we go. Doctor Call abilities: astral projection, hypnosis, illusion creation, telekinesis, and he wields the mystic symbol of the seven. That's what it was called. I couldn't think of the name of it. He's like he's just like a kind I do of not version see... of Doug Henning. <laughs> I do not see anything here about him flying. It says the mystic symbol of the seven it grants him powers of clairvoyance, fighting exorcism, deflection, and force field projection. Does not say shit about him flying. So, so why do I'm you, calling BS. So everybody's in this beautiful two-page shot, including the three, uh, the well, the four other characters who, well, actually only we'll see traveling by ground, we're traveling yeah, by car that they show. Well, the Flash isn't in the car; he's running well, alongside it. Yeah, but there's three people in the car. You just don't see that till later because uh, Adam's in the Adam back seat. He's, little. he's in the back seat. But it's like really. You got the you got the Spectre, and he couldn't have just carried them too, you know. You guys take, take the car. Take the car. Your powers suck. Take the car. I don't have room to carry you. You're the Spectre. 
Come on. Just carry the car, dude. <laughs> so they, they they do get to the uh, dam and they're they're ready to uh to engage the uh, dirigible when the flying robot Nazi men come out. Oh yeah, I guess that would be better. I was I was doing like you know some type of uh, oh what was the Hollywood shows that would uh, have the choreographed ladies in the water. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember I've... the name. That's because all that's because we got the Alzheimer's. We shouldn't make fun of Alzheimer's. Ethel Merman? No, that's not Ethel Merman. Just uh, remember though, when when you when you uh, have Alzheimer's, every comic book really is your first. <laughs> You're uh, Stan Lee's ultimate dream. <laughs> Greetings, true believers. <laughs> now, the, Stone Man says, "Time to show this windbag what my gravity rod was designed to do." Wouldn't that? Would you be so confident about that when he's already kind of like? Drain the power from it once. <laughs> you would think. Yeah, I thought of that too. Yeah, I, I think that, I'd be a little bit more like I'm going to stay back and try and do some collateral work <laughs> while you guys directly confront him. Because if I get there, I might be giving him more energy. Yep. So they engage the uh, the flying Nazis, and they drop Johnny Thunder off. At some sort of like a docking bay. But again, it doesn't necessarily seem well thought out because he doesn't have superpowers. Within the tide. Oh, sorry. (laughs) What? I'm singing sitting on the dock of the bay. Otis Redding. Thank you. This is a silly episode. So. Well, that's because I think we all see where we're going with this. Uh, so the, the, this. the car finally gets there half an hour or so after they've engaged them in battle. And Sandman shoots up Batman's grappling hook. Where he can climb up and uh, this this. I have mixed feelings about this. I like the line where, where Wildcat says, don't think cats are made for climbing this high. But the drawing he looks he looks like uh, a before picture on a weight loss ad. Well, also I'd like to point out you're not a real cat, stupid. I'd also I'd also like to point out cats cats do like to climb high. Yeah, they just don't right. like to come down. Right. That's what cats do. It's one of one of the, it's part, of the, it's part of their skill set. I have claws. I can climb. But th- this bugs me on the same level as uh, there was some story we covered ages ago where uh, the wasp was all jittery or whatever because she had My to fight Spider-Man and, and wasps and, and spiders. <laughs> yeah, and then it's like, you're not really a wasp, asshole. That's just your code well, name. Well, she was. She was. Uh, that was much later. Yes. That was, yeah, that was stupid. <laughs> it is stupid. Oh, this is really bothering me. I can't figure out the name of the actress that did all the. Uh, the I know exactly the, what you're the talking about. Choreographed in the movies. Yeah, yeah I know. Killing that was, me. That was the first scene in the great movie ride, and I can't think of the name of those. Right, right. Movies. Where they come out of the yeah. water and they're doing all the. They've, yeah. you know, like like they filmed it in reverse. You know, they've got the sparklers yeah. and stuff. Yeah, I know. I know. It's right on the uh, top of my brain. I can't think. Busley Berkeley. 
Yes, but that's not that's the, the actress. That's the producer. That's not that's the, the producer. Right. Actress. Oh, let me try actress in Buzz Beeper, please. Buzzby. That was it. Not Buzzly. Buzzby. Buzzly. What those movies would be? Man, this you can you just be more vague. Esther Williams. Thank you. Oh, yes. I can go to sleep now. It's like yes. Esther <laughs> on uh, on Sanford and Son. <laughs> oh, look at like you! You so ugly. <laughs> Fred Sanford. I'm gonna. <laughs> okay, so so our three non-superpowered anyway. guys. I, I don't really get this. All the non-superpowered guys go inside. And, and, they're, yeah. and they're fighting the, the giant ninja robot guys, or who, samurai robot guys, actually. Who look kind of like turtles. Yeah, we'll send them to the scrapyard. And then uh, my sentiments Ar- 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 exactly. Man says, my, my sentiments exactly. Oh, no, that's Sandman, excuse me. I thought it was Bernie Sandman. <laughs> Hi, sentiments exactly, Wildcat. Once again, they're punching these robots and they're coming apart. And Wildcat says, think I'm going to take out extra insurance on my poor knuckles after this. Your poor knuckles would be Stop broken. punching metal! <laughs> they, 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 would, they would be pulverized. And uh, Adam is, is breaking them into pieces by kicking them. Anyway. And it's pun, it's pun city, or you know, eighties time for this dynamo to lose a little power. That was Sandman who says that when he shoots a some sort of an arrow into the machinery, I guess that is powering the uh, those robots. So then, that was probably the coffee maker. Then they they do uh, I guess lose power at that point, but and then just they the same. beat them up even more. Then yeah. they're then they're ripping them apart. Flipping them over, punching them apart. And Lord Dynamo declares, you fools were not swift enough. Now I can consume and consume and consume. And Flash says, not swift enough? Now, Flash is drawn here. Now, this is supposed to be during World War II, correct? Doesn't he look yes. old? Yeah, he's drawn like the Flash of the 1970s, who you know yes. is 30 years removed from World War II. Exactly. Yep. And he says he's got a lot of nerve as he takes, pulls some workers away. Lord mm-hmm. Dynamo says, "My last, this is my last chance for survival, and survival is my right. All energy absorbers, give me what I need. The Atomic batteries of power from the dam will make me invincible at last." Ah! Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, see, see how he's more buff there. Yeah. 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 And in comes Johnny Thunder. Johnny Thunder. Well, he comes into where Mr. Williamson is being kept in the electrical cage. And it <laughs> takes him uh, two seconds to figure out a way to turn it off. And uh, Williamson says, Johnny Thunder, I knew you had the makings of a mystery man inside yourself. Finally, Scott, they're calling him mystery man. And Johnny's yeah, I, like, I did like gosh. Gosh. That I did like. I don't know if we said this early on, but doesn't Williams, does Williamson remind you... I think at one point we said, oh, he kind of looks like Clark Kent. but In some like, scenes he does. In some scenes. But does he look more like Harold Lloyd? You guys know who Harold he Lloyd is, He does look right? a little bit like Harold yeah. Lloyd. Yeah, I thought yeah. I was watching that on PBS when I was a kid. He does know who Harold Lloyd is. Yeah, exactly. Or like playing football. But old-timey football. 
with go, all the helmets. He, he was a silent film star in case anybody's going, who? What? It's Dr. Fate getting physical, throwing uh, robots over his head. Physical. Physical. In this Olivia Newton-John tribute episode. <laughs> you were the one that I want. Ooh, 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 honey. Oh, please, please, stop. And the Hawks are just doing damage. And then we cut again to Green Lantern and Starman, who who are attacking the dirigible again with their powers, which begs the question, why weren't they able to do this the last time they encountered the dirigible? Because right. <laughs> they're doing a pretty good number on it now. There's a little bit too much of that shush thing going on with this particular <laughs> yeah, issue. You know, I'm going to come right out and say it now. I'm not waiting until we're done. This, I, As I was reading this, I, I was disappointed by it. I, I, I was underwhelmed by the conclusion. A lot of books have a tough time sticking the landing, and I think this one did too. Okay, absolutely. Absolutely. There's, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's points of it that I really like. There's some things that happened that I thought were really cool, but overall, yeah, that was my, my ultimate reaction too. was, yeah, it, it start. I felt like it started fairly strong and I felt like it actually built some steam as it went along and then it just, yeah, it totally failed to stick the landing, which is. And we're about halfway through it now because we are on page 16 of 32 and they do, you know, some more damage inside, and uh, what's the name? Lord, Lord Pain in the Butt says, even though my ascension is incomplete, I have sufficient power to escape. So they've already won. Green Lantern says, we have them on the run now, and Starman says, the only way to make a live wire completely safe is to ground it. I don't know exactly what he's thinking there, but Williamson lets uh, Johnny know that the Thunderbolt is alive inside the uh, generators. Johnny turns around and sees the Thunderbolt. (laughs) Who looks more like the gremlin from the Bugs Bunny cartoon. You have to do these things just right. (laughs) So they, they say he's trapped and Johnny has to call him to get him free. That's pretty easy. All he has to do is say, say you and the gremlin and the, the gremlin. The Thunderbolt is free. Say you, say me. Gonna oh, free Johnny Thunder. That's the way it should that be. Part, I have to be honest, that part I did like. I, I did like uh, Johnny and the Thunderbolt being reunited. I thought I liked them cool. being reunited. I thought it was a really simple did way you to say him, though. reunited? And it reunited. feels so good. <laughs> Sorry. The musical montage episode. Oh, so and then we, we cut back to Steiner, who's it looks like he, he's it looks like he's got a, a hot foot. And uh, ow, 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 nine, nine. He's he's uh, he's coming over to where uh, Johnny and and Williamson are. You halt, traitors, saboteurs! How were they traitors? When were they ever on the court? <laughs> They're not traitors. They were against them from the start. And. Uh, Johnny six the Thunderbolt on Steiner. Yeah. And Steiner ends up a skeleton. Because he He falls back back into into the generator. So it's not like the... the, Well, you know, it's not that the Thunderbolt killed him so much, but he was already dead anyway, right? He was dead and reanimated. Well, yeah, yeah. We should have had Williamson take his glasses off and put some sunglasses on and do a a catchy, uh, you know... CSI Miami thing. 
So outside they see all sorts of sparks coming out of the the, the dirigible and know that something is going on inside. Oh, by the way, there's a bomb on there, too. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah, that uh, Sandman planted. Mr. Sandman. Plant me a bomb. Boom, 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 boom. Only give us ten minutes to get out of here. Make like a leaf and get out of here. Mm-hmm. So then then all the internal heroes, which is Adam Wildcat, Sandman, Johnny Thunder, the Thunderbolt, and Williamson, are reunited, and it feels so good. And they know they have to get out of there. And Johnny says, you guys go. Thunderbolt will take care of us. So the rest of them go. And kind of felt I like, I don't know, these couple, these two panels here, it felt like the Poseidon adventure to me. I don't know why. <laughs> they jump? <laughs> it, it looks like Wildcat's costume is just a little bit too skin tight there. Yeah, it leaves a little I too mean, little to the imagination. Yeah, it's like, how can you fight in that? There's like no padding. <laughs> Get a good, I mean... I don't know. I would just like to remind the writer that those three heroes can't fly. And from that height, hitting that water is going to be like hitting the pavement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I guess somebody catches them. Although that's not really ever. So. It doesn't, doesn't look like it. It looks like they're, they're just saying, well, there's water down there, so it's fine. Okay, well, think about all right. This is right, not so, the black water. So they ju- oh, black water, keep on. Okay, so they jump in. Now let's let's look at. I want to look at this logically. You know, it's a comic book. Why are you gonna look at it logically? So page twenty. So the next time I think we see the Adam. Now the Adam does not fly, but we'll see him again. I don't. When the dirigible is crashing into the water, you see no, all no, three of them see him, standing on the shore. No, but we see him just before that, and he's asking um, Doctor Fate for some help. Yes, he's he's falling. During all this time, and all these things happen, he would have hit the ground already. Yeah, he should be. He, he should have already been splattered on the ground. But anyway, oh, well, so let's. We'll get yeah. we'll get to come back to that we'll because we get that. all this dialogue and everything that probably about you know this, this is the scene that I said reminded me of uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade where Williamson is trying to gather all the research because it's so important and and precious but you know Johnny's like leave it you know Indiana precious. Indiana you know because the the German Nazi lady wouldn't let go of the, you know Elsa give me your hand. I can almost reach it. I could reach it. I could reach it, Dad. Anyway. Junior. Indiana. So, so he, he wants to grab the stuff, and Johnny tells him, oh, you're a better writer than he is anyway, Mr. Williamson. And the Thunderbolt says, let's go. And then we cut to the Spectre, who is confronting Lord Dynamo directly. Just ex machina. Eric Donnerstein, you who call yourself Lord Dynamo, you have already purchased more than your allotted lifespan. I like that line. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's ready to take him out. No amount of power should keep you alive past your appointed time to die. And uh, that Lord Dynamo says, no. A mistake. Promised. 
birthday. Not you, not you. The <laughs> Justice Society can stop me now, and then the bomb goes off. Nothing's gonna stop us now. No, I was thinking, don't stop me now. Because I'm having such a good time. Because I'm uh, over the Hoover Dam, don't stop me now. Now, what's... I guess the, there's breaches in the... Uh, in, in the shell of the dirigible and light is coming out of them from the explosion. Mm-hmm. Or over, I don't know, he's being overpowered. And Lord Dynamo says, I would have been a benevolent cultured leader. I, I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody. I could have solved the problems of poverty. I could have cured disease. Stella! Oh, sorry. Should have looked out for me. So meanwhile, meanwhile, so now we cut back and they're all, you know, flying above. I still don't see the three people that jumped out. <laughs> well, they're in the shot, we, we could see the specter all the way to the left. We see the two hawks also on the left. In the center, we Dr. see the Fate. Thunderbolt, Johnny and uh, Williamson. And on the right, Starman and Dr. Fate. Yeah, it, just poor, poor, uh, just poor. Well, it's, it's, I guess it goes to the pacing to, to not have Adam actually on the ground yet. Yeah, so, but he jumped out how long ago? All this other stuff has happened? That's my point. He's already, he should just he's be already on the ground. The ground. He's in the ground. At this okay, point, we're he's assuming dead. he's safely down somehow. Yeah. But then, so, but yeah, but then you make a point later of him going, hey, a little help. What are you, been floating in the air waiting for somebody to catch you? Well, that's that's the next scene. Johnny's holding on to Mr. Williamson, and he can't quite keep his grip, so Williamson falls, but Starman catches him, and then in the background, you, you see the, the Adam, and he says, uh, some help here, fatal pal, which yeah. is just, he just shouldn't be in that panel. We should just assume he somehow got safely down, and we shouldn't even be seeing him anymore. Now, I know the Spectre didn't blow up the bomb, didn't set the bomb, but he comes in and he acts like he's, you know, Lord Dynamo or whatever, Steinbrenner, Steinberger, Burgerstein, Burgermeister. Donnerstein. Donnerstein. On Donnerstein. On Blitzenstein. Doesn't it seem like the Spectre could have just taken care of this a lot earlier? Because usually he's, which is probably good that it wasn't, but it's almost like he's, you know, Sex Machina. The problem with the with the Spectre is that he he has Superman syndrome because a lot of the the things that they would face as a team, he probably could have solved it all himself. I don't think the Spectre needed to be in this book at all, other than he looks cool. I don't right. think he really needed to be here because he's too powerful. Right, exactly. Yeah, he is. He's too powerful, and and it's sometimes it's a little laughable the things that they would encounter that would stymie the team that he could have wrapped up in two seconds, you know? So, you know, yeah, again, he see, he sometimes has Superman syndrome, but it, it makes you kind of wonder, you know, is, is he, is he there because he enjoys the, the friendship and the camaraderie or camaraderie of the team and he's actively holding himself back so that he doesn't doesn't just overshadow everybody and make everybody, you know, uh, you know, feel 
insignificant or whatever. But but yeah, I, I, I mean, it's got to be weird. I mean, what's that? I'm sorry. I, I kind of go with the theory that he has his own agenda as the, you know, whatever it is, the soldier of God or whatever you want to call him. Uh, right. And, and that he is going to act in whatever furthers that agenda. So he's not necessarily there on whatever mission the JSA has in mind. You know what I mean? He's, saying he's, he's on his he, own mission. Yeah. Right. Right. That's that's kind of how I view him, and it kind of explains some sometimes when he could step in and be the force that will stop a battle and doesn't, because for whatever reason it doesn't necessarily fit his agenda. Well, because he was in a couple issues back. He was in the uh, issue where Steiner or Steinbrenner, Donner Stein, attacks the city and is killing everybody. Oh wait, that's fate that blows the thing. Is the Spectre even there? Because if he didn't stop that, and he has the power to, that's a pretty dick move. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That if he could have had the power to save the people that were being killed, but he chooses not right. to because it's not a part of his mission, well, screw you. <laughs> Alright, I just looked at issue... Two. Let me look at three. Keep talking. I'll keep looking. All right. So moving on with the story while Bill looks, the dirigible finally explodes, and that's a pretty interesting way it's drawn because it looks a little different than what I've traditionally seen in these explosions. I guess I'm trying to like make sense of it in my mind, and. You know, normally they would kind of show it exploding in the sky, but this looks to me like it's already kind of been coming apart and collapsing before the final explosion. So that's why it's already like separated. Does that make right. sense? Right. So, because it, it definitely looks different, but but it's very hard to kind of place where it is that this is happening and why is it why is it not killing whatever people are in the area. Because that's a pretty huge explosion. So then we have the aftermath where the JSA is on the shore, or most of them are, and there's some flying up ahead, up above. Uh, and uh, Johnny asks, do you really think he just wanted to help people? William says, no matter what Lord Dynamo said, Johnny, a benevolent dictator is still a dictator. So that kind of sums up the whole you know, Williamson's comment kind of sums up the whole uh, situation. And he's, Williamson says, I tried to salvage some of his work in hopes that we could use it to benefit mankind, but all I have is a few notes I jotted down for a story. Well, at least I have plenty of fresh inspiration to write bizarre tales, as long as my editor, Mr. Gernsback, and I have a clear understanding next time as to what constitutes a living wage. So he, he's ready to go back to Gernsback, and Johnny is kind of happy for him. And Williamson tells him, you know, you saved my life. It's time you called me Jack. And uh, that, you know, he has the heart of a hero, and that he may feel like he's the mascot, but he's truly part of the team. And then we have a shot with all the JSA standing there looking at him and, you know, kind of giving him the thumbs up. And uh, Johnny says, all right, Mr. Uh, Jack, 
I wouldn't want to let anyone down. I'll keep working with the mystery men, and I'll leave the writing to the experts. So, and then the final page shows Lord Dynamo's chamber falling down into the sea. We see a bunch of... Uh, fish. Well, uh, what's it called? The, no, we don't see the fish at first. We see the uh, jellyfish. Oh. As it's going yeah. down, 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 yeah. and then we see two fish okay. in the foreground as it goes lower and lower, and one of them is almost smiling, and it says end. Now, I don't know if this is supposed to be, you know, oh, look, he, he wasn't totally destroyed, he can be back, or, you know, this is his doom. Spoilers, he never comes back. <laughs> Nor should <laughs> his only His only six appearances, and... The Spectre was, he is in some of the shots of the city in issue four when it's attacked, like in crowd shots. He's not in any fighting shots. It's almost like he just didn't do anything. He just kind of hung back. Because it's Dr. Fate that blows the dirigible away. Literally. Right. And the Spectre really does nothing. He's just, he's in a few, like in the beginning, he's in a crowd shot, like, and then at the end, he's in another crowd shot. That's it. He should have never this been was here. What? This was the Boulder Dam? Hoover Dam. Is that right? Hoover. Hoover Dam. So what? what's the body of water that it's holding back? Lake Mead. Hoover. So are there the really jellyfish? Are there I, jellyfish in that lake? I thought jellyfish were only in salt water. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. I think no, salt could water. be a salt water lake. I don't know. No, no, that's in the middle of uh, no, no. Uh-uh. Okay, uh, all I'm saying is I don't know. Well, one, uh, I don't I, think I, you'd I don't want know. salt water running through a hydroelectric dam because I would think it might be corrosive to. The damn water's bad enough as it is. I don't think if you add, I know how bad on a ship salt water was for corrosion. I can't imagine running it through a, a hydro generator. I've been there. Either of you guys been there? Nope. No. Yeah, that's the one you drive or yeah, that's the one you always see in the movies. I think that was the Universal Soldier and uh, a couple other ones. Pretty sure it's Hoover Dam. The one that's just outside of Las Vegas. Yeah. yeah I'm looking at it right here uh, on, on Wikipedia. Lake Mead is a man-made lake that lies on the Colorado River, blah, 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 and it talks about Hoover Dam. I got to it by Googling Hoover, Hoover Dam, so this is the mm-hmm. right body of water. I can't find anywhere here where it says what the water is, but just the well, fact it's the Colorado that it's man-made River. makes me think that the it's fresh. The Colorado River right? flows, flows, to the, flows to the ocean, so it's not, it's not salt water. It comes out out of, out of the out of the mountains and you know works its way down. Right. Alright, so let me do let me do a search for Lake Mead jellyfish. And while you do that, I'm just gonna reiterate my thoughts that I've kinda gone this this series has been kinda up and down for me as it went along. There were points where I had great hopes for it to be terrific, and then there were other points where I was thinking this could be kind of pedestrian. And unfortunately, it ended on a pedestrian kind of note. I I didn't feel there was anything in this last issue that made me, you know, kind of want to cheer or get excited or think that it was particularly creative. 
looking back two episodes, uh, excuse me, well, it would be two episodes ago or two issues ago, the art was more detailed and it looks like it took more time um, with the individual characters and the cityscapes. This looks more rushed compared to issue four. And that's just because, you know, because I was skimming through looking for all the appearances of uh, of the Spectre. So even the cover is rushed, looks rushed compared to the other covers. Even some of the covers we didn't like still look better than this last cover. Yeah, well, I liked every cover more than I liked this one. Apparently there are jellyfish in Lake Mead. No, okay. really? Huh. Who'd have thunk it? Yeah. Is there smiling yeah. fish? It's a Liberace fish. Hey, wish me. <laughs> you seem to see Liberace everywhere you turn. <laughs> so scary. he would do this kind of homework and this kind of research on Lake Mead and getting that shit right and then miss so many things about the actual JSA that the story is about. That just Maybe seems. Maybe he didn't do that research. Maybe he just put jellyfish in there and didn't give a uh. shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's possible too. I don't. Uh, why? Can, can there be jellyfish in there? I don't know. <laughs> it turns out they can. Why is okay? So the one where the JSA is all looking at uh, Johnny Thunder. Are all those? Are they like all not proportion right? Yes, they are not proportion. Uh, oh, okay. You could say that the Spectre is just—he's still in big mode. Which why would he? Why can't yeah, he just shrink, shrink back? But Wonder Woman looks huge. Yeah, look at it next to Hawkman. And it looks like they're approximately the same distance away. Yeah. I'll tell you, it's just not as as up to snuff. No, it's not. This is not Kitson's best. So, like I said, I I just kind of found this issue to be, you know, just anticlimactic it didn't really i mean i guess it's it's meant to be you know an exciting conclusion but it just didn't feel exciting to me at all no Mm -mm. so it it, kind of ended with a little bit of a whimper it did and it also it kind of had i don't know it kind of had the feeling like at the end of this and maybe it's because of the inclusion of, again, characters that I just don't think are should be part of the story. At the end of it, it felt like there were too many characters. You know what I mean? Like, like it was overkill. Like all these guys against Lord Dynamo and a handful of people. You know what I mean? Whereas the other issues didn't have that. It felt like... You know, the JSA was being challenged by, you know, the electric dirigible and the death ray and Lord Dynamo and the flying Nazis. And there was a whole shitload of Nazis and all. And this issue didn't feel that way at all. It, you know, if you were to just to pick up this one issue without having read the others, it's almost like this giant super team beating up on this kid. You know? yeah, but And the thing about that is in the previous encounters, it felt like they had their hands full just to kind of break even. Yeah, like They weren't exactly. even winning the battle. So now yeah. they're winning the battle handily and easily, but they haven't changed their tactics at all. So why are right. they, you know, what, what changed 
about how they were attacking the situation that now they're winning. This is the last issue? Yeah. It's it's purely purely convenience. There's nothing in here where you you know, I I, I enjoy when these stories and you know, Bill and I recently covered uh, West Coast Avengers number four. And what I enjoyed about that issue, or one of the things I enjoyed about that issue, was that when they finally overcame Graviton in that in that book, they had come up with this whole plan to put it into you know to put it into effect to weaken him and get him to the point where they could win the battle. And mm-hmm. you know it was like right. they overcame the situation through using their heads and, and strategy. This one, it's just like, well, we're going to attack it the same way we did in previous issues, only now we're going to win because it's the last issue. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. But that, I mean, honestly, that's what it feels like. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's disappointing because, you know, we went through the first five issues. We've enjoyed it. I know I was even talking to, like, Professor Allen about it, and he was enjoying reading along with it with us, and I'm sure he's listening now, uh, or unless, he's, unless he decided he didn't like this issue and said, yeah, I'm not going to even listen to the episode now because those idiots made me read this whole series. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I mean, I, 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 it's just a disappointing end. It really is. It is. It is because I, I, you know, like I said, I feel bad because this this was my my idea. And yeah, you you should, because when I, you know, because I was on the big JSA kick buying everything and I found found this and was like, oh, wow, this is pretty cool. This is it's kind of just like a letdown at the end. But that said, and I want to rate this issue in a moment, but that said, we have not soured on the JSA and we're going to more. Oh, no, no, no. More to discuss about that after we do our ratings. So, yep. uh, the cover, it looks like it, you know, there's, there's some details, it's painted, I think, you know, probably a lot of effort went into this, but it, it's just, it just fell flat. I'm going to, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say a D. I, I really just don't like this cover. I think the, you know, it's, it's mostly that just when they planned it out, it, it almost looks, you know, what this looks like it should be a cover of, of an issue of zero hour. Because with the white background, it's like yeah. you know everything's fading from time or something, and they're racing to <laughs> to try and fix it. It doesn't look; it's not indicative of the story really at all. It's not uh, all the pulp stuff we've seen and all the like castles and. Yeah, it doesn't and, make me feel like the pulp stuff in the past. No, uh, the the story itself again, uh, you know, they don't really give us a reason for why they won. Uh, you know, they they built up Steiner as this big henchman throughout, and he goes out like nothing. Uh, you know, Lord Dynamo really doesn't put up much of a fight, and it's just—I I didn't find this this uh, this issue enjoyable to read. And I'm gonna say, honestly, after the build-up, I'm gonna say an F on the story. I, I, I really just feel like it was a real letdown, and it would have been so much easier to write a better story than they did. The artwork appears a little bit rushed, although that I guess that would be the strongest point in this issue is the artwork as compared to the writing and the cover. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna just give it a C on the artwork because I don't think it's terrible. Uh, I just don't think it's particularly good. And overall, I'll give the book a C minus, no a D plus. You guys go. Um. 
on the cover, I really don't like this cover. And the reason that I really don't like it, Bill, Bill kind of hit on it. He said it felt like color forms. That's part of it. Um, part of it is the faces and the expressions, particularly Starman. He, he just looks completely zoned out <laughs> and it doesn't look like Starman to me. It, it looks like somebody posing so that the artist could get, you know, this particular shot or whatever. But it, it looks like just some dude wearing a, a Starman costume. It doesn't I'm, look like what I think Starman look, should look like. I'm trying to squint, and it's like it was like Dustin Hoffman is Starman. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't uh, know. It's weird, weird looking. <laughs> but my honestly, my biggest problem though with it is. You know, and, and I've said this before, so I don't want to belabor the point, but they're they're drawn in a very real style, like a realistic style. Like it, it is clearly men wearing costumes, and most of the costumes look like homemade costumes. That's fine, but I don't read comic books for realism. And you know, I, I I've made a point of pointing out why some comic book movies don't work for me because they take a very real world approach like this character re- is real and exists in our everyday real world well when you take the absurd and let's face it this team much as i love them they're absurd you got a guy that runs really fast you got a guy that gets superpowers from taking pills you got a guy that uses star energy to fly around you got a, a, a mage you've got a guy with a magic ring you've got a guy with a magic genie it's all ridiculous it's all absurd but i love it because it's fun comic books but when you take that and you shine the harsh light of reality on it all you do is you accentuate the absurd and that's what this cover does it's accentuating the absurd because look at it it looks like crap it looks ridiculous it looks like a bunch of grown men wearing silly costumes that's not comic books to me and that's certainly not the jsa to me so the cover's a fail i'm giving the cover an f i really don't like it um the interior art it's killing me on this to keep grading these so low because i like barry kitson i like him a lot but i just can't help but feel like uh Either he's just not on his A game or he's lost it or he's just, you know, it says breakdown. So maybe he's done like very loose sketches or very loose breakdowns. But this just this is not Kitson as I remember Kitson. Kitson as I remember him was a damn fine artist. And this, I don't know, there's just too much of it that I just don't like. You know, characters look weird and wonky and their anatomy's messy and. They look beefy and chunky, and it's just bizarre. So, yeah, I I'm, I'm just don't know what's going on with the art in this. Um, and I'll agree, I feel, I think this particular issue does feel rushed as well. So, and the, and the color's a little strange, too. So, art-wise, ugh. Um, yeah, I'm going to go C minus, and I'm tempted to go even lower, but, you know, I don't want to be too harsh on it. I mean, I can follow it. I know what's going on. It's not that. It's just that it's not what I think it should be, you know, from an artist that I know. So it's very disappointing. Uh, and then the story, eh, it's really tough because it, it's, it, it ultimately, it's it so pained. Yeah, it is because. 
you know, I wanted to like this. I really did. And I started out really liking it. But at the end of it, with the, it's, it's not even so much this issue as that as a whole, when this ends, I can't help but wonder, what the hell was the point? I mean, beyond entertainment, what's the point of this? You know, when you do a, a, a six-issue miniseries about an established team with an established continuity that's taking place in a, in a period setting, you know, specifically when it's these guys, I feel like if you're going to do that, have a point. You know, show some insight into one of the characters or their history or fill in a continuity gap or or something. But this really doesn't add anything. I mean, this is easily skipped. If you never read this, it does not change anything about your perception of the JSA. So it's, for lack of a better term, it's not important at all. And that kind of bugs me. I mean, maybe I'd feel different about it if it was just a hell of a lot of fun. It was just a damn good read. It did, yeah, it didn't change you know, the, the continuity or it didn't add anything, but it was just great. It's not even that. It's, you know, it's okay at best, and, and that's a shame, especially if you shelled out full price for all six issues of this damn thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So ultimately, you know, I, I don't know if that really counts as grading it on the story, but I'm, I'm factoring that into my grade, and I'm going to say a D-. minus. And I, I would be tempted to make that my grade for the overall series as a whole, as much as I enjoyed how it started in the first few issues and everything. Taken as a whole, it's... It's pretty disappointing, and that's that's a shame. Um, so yeah, as an overall grade for this particular issue, I'm gonna I'll be generous. I'll say a I'll say a D plus. But uh, as a series overall, I, I'm tempted to go lower than that. So there you go. That's what I thought of it. Wish I'd liked it better. So did I, and I agree totally with what you said. That you know, if you're gonna if you're going to do a mini-series of an established team, then don't just make it a nothing special story. It should be something where, when you're reading it, you know, you, you you really feel like you're getting something out of the ordinary. And that's not what we got from this. Right. Take it, Dr. Bill. Yeah. Uh, the cover, D, C, <laughs> see what I did there? Uh, but I think I'm going to have to stick with it. Like a D. See, it's like, I'm, I'm not as pained as Scott, but, you know, cause I'm, I don't want to say I'm a newcomer to the JSA. I mean, I've, I've, I like the JSA and that's why I had such high hopes for this, but it was just, just a letdown and like the cover, like right off just started it. You know, it's like, Oh, so you know what? I'm just gonna stick with a D for for the cover. Uh, the interior art, uh, maybe because they're fighting above the dam. Like there's a lot of backgrounds that are just sky, clouds, you know, solid ground. So maybe you know I'm just being a little too harsh because the other one I looked at had a lot of cityscapes. Um, I think I'm still gonna give it a C. And the story is just too rushed and too contrived and too, you know, sum it up all neat and nice because it's, you know, we've reached the end of our tale and we don't have any more issues. So let's wrap it up. Send in the Spectre. Who hasn't done jack shit during the rest of the book? So, ah, D. So DCD. For me. 
So that's it for Strange Adventures. Sorry it didn't end with a better. Uh, I mean, overall, better received story. Overall, all six issues graded together, it would be higher than this last grade. But if this last one had been better, it would be a much higher grade. Well, I do often find that even when something has a terrific buildup, and I know it goes to the thought of, you know, it's the journey, not the destination. When the destination is a letdown, sometimes it retroactively makes me think less of what went on before it. Mm -hmm. And I can't help but feel that way on this one, because as this story built up, and I was enjoying it because I felt it building up, I needed that buildup to pay off in order for it to be worthwhile. And when the payoff didn't feel that good, then that retroactively makes me think less of the buildup. Eh? <laughs> that doesn't make sense? <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. No, it, it totally does. <laughs> so, okay, well, because I don't know. Sometimes I say things and I'm not sure it makes sense. But, uh, yeah, in, in this instance, it's, you know, I think some of those, you know, where you said, like where you said, the rating for this wouldn't necessarily be for the whole series because the whole series would be higher, but the books that I thought more of, the rating for the whole series would be lower in the same respect. So, mm. you know, all things considered, how would you rate this mini series? Overall, like one solid grade, not yeah, just one on... solid grade. You don't have to break it up into the image individuals. Uh, C plus B minus. Oh no, I'm thinking C minus, and it's because of the fact that it just didn't take us anywhere. Mm. Scott, that's true. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking lower. I'm thinking like, I'm thinking like D minus, honestly. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it it ultimately was pointless. It was and pointless, and, and that's why I brought it to the C minus. But it was readable, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't painful to read. So I'm not going to, I don't want to take too many points away from it. Well, okay. maybe I haven't read enough good JSA. Like uh, I remember the first, well, the first thing that I ever read with the Justice Society was the, uh, was Justice Society versus America, mm-hmm. the four right. part, and that's a that is a hefty tome. Yes, it is. Whew. You know, the, you know, Batman accuses from beyond the grave. Like that's that sticks in my. There's, there's really, there's very few things out of this that stick in my head that like I'll probably remember for a long time because I read that like thirty years ago, and things from that still stick in my mind thirty years from now. Well, a I'll probably be dead, and or b I won't remember, but maybe I'll still remember Batman accusing from the grave. But I don't think I'll remember right. much JSA Strange Adventures. Other than yeah, that, I, I won't. It's like Liberace. I won't remember this a month from now. Yeah, honestly. I don't know if, gonna, I don't know if I'm going to remember it an hour from now. <laughs> I don't even remember. Who are you guys? <laughs> back to comic book Alzheimer's. Anyway, and as long as we have a few minutes before we're going to call it a day, uh, Scott, you had a couple of shout-outs you wanted to do? I did, yes. A couple of very important shout-outs. Uh, first and foremost, uh, to our buddy Christopher J. Warden, who I actually got to meet in person for the very first time. He was here vacationing with his family uh, in uh, Orlando and got to meet up with him. 
And uh, he presented me with a copy of something I didn't even know existed until uh, it was posted about, I believe it was in the Two True Freaks Cantina. And I'm sorry, at the moment, I cannot remember who made the initial post, but someone posted up about uh, Ollie's, the store Ollie's. I don't know if you guys have Ollie's up there, do you, uh, Paul? Nope. It's kind of like a – I'm sure it's a – it's it's expanding around here. There's more and more of them. Yeah, it, it's kind of like a to me. It's kind of like a big lots. It's a it's a you know like a resell closeout type of store or whatever. I um, am a member of Ollie's Army. <laughs> well, Ollie's for for at least the past what year or two um, has suddenly gotten hot and heavy into um, trade paperbacks and uh and like hardcover collected edition you know comic books graphic novels and stuff and uh recently someone posted up in the two true freaks cantina about some uh, some star wars um mm-hmm. yeah. trades that they had there one of which i got really excited about because i i didn't know it existed and it was something that back, you know, years ago when Chris Honeywell and I were doing Two True Freaks, you know, when we were doing Star Wars Monthly Mondays, we covered. And I remember saying at the time, damn, you know, Marvel needs to collect this stuff. And they finally did in a beautiful hardcover collection. It was all of the Marvel UK Star Wars material in one really nice hardcover bound edition and i didn't know it was out there and uh so you know somebody posted about it so i went to you know my local ollies hunting it down and of course they didn't have it uh Mm -hmm. and then i sought out other ollies in the neighborhood and everything and uh and i could never put my hand to one uh well chris warden was nice enough to hunt it down at his uh local ollie's uh he got the very last one that they had and uh, and gave it to me when we met up uh recently uh here in orlando and i just thought i wanted to shout him out and say how much i really appreciated that because you know it, it i'm sure it wasn't cheap and it was a very nice gesture on his part and uh, and i really appreciate it and it's beautiful it's a really, really nice book, so I'm I'm glad to see that Marvel, you know, actually did collect all that stuff. And well, I, I mean, what's that? Uh, no, I, I, you can finish that. I was, I was going to tell you about some stuff at at Ollie's that I found locally here. Oh, go ahead. Well, because I saw in one of their flyers that they had a bunch of Star Wars trades, and it's a, it's a lot of the new stuff. I didn't find any Marvel UK, but they did have like some big box set like it was a hardbound it looked like about it 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 had to have been like all the movies maybe all the different comic versions he, of the he movie. bought that chris Warren it, bought that. It, was, yeah. it was like like its retail price was i don't know 80 100 maybe 200 and i think it was it was on sale for so what so what did he say exactly what was in that because it was in a box it's in a box what's in a box and I couldn't yeah, he, really open it up and look at it to see what it was. He sent me, you know what? Let me see if I can find it here. He sent me uh, pictures of what all was in the box. Yeah, because it's like and, eight and, eight volumes or something. Like like the box was opened, and I was with my wife. So you know how those things go. If I was there by right. myself, I'd been there for quite a while digging through everything. But you know, 
I had to feign. No, 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 I'm not interested. Yeah, this is the the picture he sent me. It was featuring these hardcover books. So it's the adaptations, the comics, the Marvel Comics adaptations of The Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, A New Hope, The Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, The Force Awakens, and then also Shattered Empire, Star Wars Volume that's 1, which I'm not sure what that is. I think that's... That's the new the series? Beginning of the new series, yes. yeah. Star Wars Darth Vader Volume 1, which is freaking excellent. I've read that. That's good. Heroes for a New Hope, which I don't know what that is. And then one just called the Marvel Covers. This was a hardcover collection, a box set, as you say. Yeah, it like comes Original in its own case. This was... Was it like three hundred something? Three hundred and fifty dollars, and it was on sale at Ollie's for sixty bucks. Sixty? No, sixty. Sixty. Fifty nine ninety nine. Yeah, because they had one at my store, and I was like, I can't pull the trigger. My wife will kill me if I come out of here with this. Right. But I had a twenty five, like a fifteen percent off coupon. I was going to get a couple small trades because it would fill a couple gaps. So for like, you could buy a twenty dollar, sixteen dollar trade for two ninety nine. So you get anywhere from five to six books in each trade. And say I was missing four of those books. Well, if I try to find them in a, they're not in any type of cheap bin, so they're going to be at least two dollars a piece. So you know, I had to do the math of my, oh honey, this is more economical. That'd be more economical if you didn't buy it at all. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> What are we going to do with no, all this stuff? I, yeah. What am I going to do with this? I I'm going to sell got... it. I'm going to burn it. And I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. I'll be dead. I won't care. Right. So, but um, but I ended up not getting anything because when I turned around, because it was the last day the coupon was available, and when I turned to look, oh, Ollie's is terrible for their cash registers. That's the only downfall is like if you go on a day that's towards the end of a sale or like a brand new sale, forget it, brother. It's it was like every line had about six people deep and there's only like four registers. And I just looked at it and I was like, nah, we're out of here. I'm, I'm like, I don't have enough. I just don't have enough e- energy to stand in here for the next, you know, 30 minutes trying to check out just to save <laughs> some money on these books. I'm like, nope. Put them back. I said, let's go. I'm out. Yeah, because she didn't find anything that you. she was looking for either. You know, because it was the last day of the 15%. You know, I should have gone earlier in the week. I shouldn't have waited until the last day of the 15% off coupon. I was a dumbass. But my Ollie's, <laughs> they've, they've got a they've got a ton of, they've got a whole wall of just DC, Marvel, independent graphic novels. You know, what sucks is that they're not in any order. And they're like, some of them are really yeah, high up. You can't reach them. It's like there's not even yeah, a stool to cover like, oh, yeah, the that's, one I went to, uh, I, they're all like just, that, man. They're all like that. Yeah. And for me, nice. the time it takes to dig through it, I'm just like, I just don't have the time. And the store is usually crowded and it just gets on my nerves. But I, and, I tell you, though, I tell you, you, you really can catch a good deal there, though, because I got yeah. one. I, I forget which number it was. I don't think it was the first one, but I got one of the those Neil Adams uh, they're called Batman Illustrated. They're collections of his Batman stuff. 
Mm. Uh, really, really nice. I mean, beautifully, uh, you know, retouched art and all that sort of thing. Collections of of his Batman material in chronological order, and I got one of those uh, at Ollie's. I, I think it was the first thing I ever bought there because uh, somebody had posted it up in one of a, you know one of our Two True Freaks groups or something. And I want to say it was like six bucks or something like that. It was really cheap compared to the original. Price it was still sealed in plastic and all that, so yeah, really nice stuff. But yeah, if you've got a, an Ollie's in your area, go check them out. I just did a quick search, and the closest one to here is in Connecticut, and it's about two hour a two hour drive, and that would be according huh. to now when uh, there's no when traffic. traffic is low. So if I were right. to go during the day, it would even take. Longer. I mean, you can look at their flyer, Paul. I mean, this, but it's not really it's not worth it to drive two hours. No, I mean, I, no, I, I, I have one that's saving on the books. Yeah, I have one right. that's ten minutes away, so that's a little bit of a different story. But they um, also have vinyl plank, plank flooring. Yes, they do. Well, I'll tell you, it's, it's area rugs. Where, you know, where our community is is big enough and awesome enough at this point that we all look out for each other. So, I mean, if there was something you saw in one of those ads and were interested, I'm sure there's somebody out there that'd be willing to pick it up for you. No, I they get, appreciate they get that, some, but I can't even look, to be honest with you, that the ad doesn't have specific books shown in it. So, they get uh, some weird, seeing. weird food, that, like food that doesn't, like, like seasonal food, uh, you know, like uh, uh, Valentine's Day Rice Krispies or something. There's always some <laughs> oddball. No, I'm serious. I've seen things right. like that, and I'm like, right, I'm, no, I'm so tempted just to try it, just be a little... This looks delicious. Ah, this tastes like crap. You know. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch gears in conversation on us again. And uh, his, his name came up earlier, and I was so tempted to d- jump right in at that point. We were still covering the book, but I want to get back to this. So, speaking of Professor Allen, I got a lovely little care package in the mail yesterday that uh, I totally didn't know was coming, and. Uh, I was just really touched by it because it came with a really nice note that just said, happy housewarming. Uh, it says a few good, a few good ones and a surprise. It was some comics that I got from professor Allen and, uh, the happy housewarming is cause we are, I am podcasting at this moment from our brand new house. Uh, my wife and I had a, a custom built house, uh, built for us and, uh, we, we moved in, uh, it's been about a week, week and a half ago now. Um, it's funny because this entire episode, as we've been recording, I am literally sitting in the floor on the floor in my new comic room. <laughs> I was I hoping I don't I have to go somewhere else. No, I I don't. <laughs> I am dressed, uh, but no, I I you know I haven't had a chance to put together my new uh, my new office yet or anything. So I you know the computer's all set up and everything, but it's just sitting on the floor. So I'm just sitting on the floor here, just chilling out, podcasting, but. Anyway, in this package from Professor Allen, uh, Professor Allen, uh, for anybody that doesn't know, he does the Quarter Bin podcast uh, where he goes to, I, I believe it's just his local LCS that miraculously has quarter bins. Now, I, I'm getting to the point where I can't even find 50 cent bins bin. anymore. Everything is like a dollar or these days it seems like everything's $2. That's, that's uh, the new but, norm. But he's, he apparently still has quarter bins, so every once in a while he'll send me cool stuff that he's picked up, uh, I'm presuming, from the quarter bin. And this was what was in the, the care package. And I, I'm just so tickled by these. I think they're really cool. So uh, the first one 
is the Marvel Comics. Uh, it's, it says here a Marvel movie special. It's the Marvel Comics adaptation of The Deep, which was another Robert Benchley uh, film. Robert Benchley wrote Jaws. Peter, Peter Benchley. Or P, I'm sorry, Peter. What did I say? Uh, yeah, Peter Benchley. I think you're thinking Robert Block. Did did, did I say Robert? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't know what that. I'm tired. It's late. Yeah, Peter Benchley. Um, I've actually never seen The Deep, so I'm uh, yeah. I'm hoping that this yeah. isn't lost on me. But I was look. I love the cover on it. I'm not sure who the cover artist is, but the interior. Uh, it's a- adapted by Doug Mensch is the writer. I love Doug Mensch. Carmine Infantino is the artist, uh, inked really? by Sonny Trinidad. So I'm I'm just damn curious because it looks really good. I, I really like the art. I have no idea what it's about or anything. I'm curious I to Carmine when it came out when I was. I'm curious to Carmine's hmm? take on Jacqueline Bissett in that white uh, swimsuit she wears in the movie. That's what I. Oh remember. yeah. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll have to report on that. Maybe I'll post some uh, I'll post some uh, shots of it if, if it shows her in that at all. I'm kind of flipping through now, and I don't even see her in a. Ba- oh yeah, here. We- oh yes, okay, yes. I will send you some pictures. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, two of the other books in here. Now I'm really excited about these. Um, kind of, and I'll, and I'll explain why. So the next two books are DC's version of. Edgar Rice Burroughs' Tarzan of the Apes. It's Tarzan number 211 and 212. And I'm really excited about these because despite the fact that I've never really been much of a Joe Kubert fan, I'm I'm actually, if if I'm honest, I'm a Joe Kubert detractor because I just don't care for his scratchy art. Despite that, I've actually always wanted to give these a try. I've never owned an issue of DC's Tarzan before. Uh, and I always wanted to try these just because I do dig Tarzan, and I, and I just wondered if these were any good or not. So it's cool to finally have a couple issues, uh, you know, in my hands. But the reason I said kind of excited about these is because now the completest in me is probably going to want to get the rest of them. <laughs> um, and then the last book in here is just to reiterate what I've said before, that Professor Allen, yes, he's an awesome guy, but he's also a smartass because he included Captain Canuck Reborn, issue zero. <laughs> that was the special surprise in there. But, no, thank you, Professor Allen. I really do appreciate that. That was very, very nice of you. And uh, my concern about the Tarzan proved to be well-founded because I went out comic shop hunting today in the new area where I live, and uh, and I learned of a new um, Coliseum of Comics location uh, that I had never been to before, so I decided to go to it today and check it out. Turned out it was a great little shop and everything, but it's really, really, really tiny, and they didn't have much of a, of a back-issue selection. They did have some. Um but I, I dug through the back issues, and sure enough, I ended up finding Tarzan of the Apes, number 207, which is the first DC issue. So thanks, Professor Allen. Uh, you you actually <laughs> you, you made, made it happen. Now I've got to go and hunt these damn things down. But, yeah, I picked it up for a buck, and it's in really nice shape. So, And I love the cover. Despite the fact that it's Joe Cooper, it is a really cool cover. So I'm excited about that. But, um from that particular location, that was really the only book of, of any real note that I picked up. A lot of the other stuff was just kind of filler. I was going to ask you guys, um, 
have you guys ever read there was a four issue prestige format Marvel series called The Adventures of Captain America Sentinel of Liberty. Did you ever read this? I think I have that. I'm not 100 percent sure. I don't think it's I written by Fabian Nietzsche with art by Kevin McGuire, who used to work on um, he worked on Justice League, didn't he? Yeah, Justice League back in the back in the 80s or 80s or 90s. Yeah, I got um, I believe uh, McGuire is the one I got the. Uh, oh, I think when we went to um, the Tampa Bay Comic Con or maybe it was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got the yeah. I got the Scarlet Witch um, print that he did that I got him to sign. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I I have long had a couple issues of this four issue mini, and I've always wanted to read it just because it looked really good. I, I don't know really anything about it other than, you know, I like I said, picked up those issues. They looked intriguing and they've just been kind of sitting in my collection all these years. Well, today, as I was digging through the cheap bins at this shop, I found the two issues that I was lacking to complete all four. So I'm going to be reading these. And, uh, was this and the Coliseum back. column uh, uh, at the Coliseum place? Coliseum, or, yeah. Was that yeah. the one you said you needed to take me to when I come over? No, no. That, so that's that's the sequel oh. to this story. So okay. anyway, I, I picked up just a few books there. Those are really the only ones of note that I picked up there. Um, but because... You know, I, I drove all the way out there, and I say all the way. It wasn't really that far. It was about a half an hour. Um, but I drove all the way out there, and I was just, you know, I was, I was just in that comic hunting mood, you know. But I was a little bit bummed because I, you know, it, it wasn't any great finds or anything. So before I decided to turn around and head back to the house, I was like, let me see if there, you know, let me do one more search and see if there's any other comic shops out here that I don't know of. Because I was at, at that point, I was like further west than i'd ever gone on the road that i was on essentially so i do another search and another shop comes up and i'm not going to say what the name of the shop is for for a reason basically i don't want anybody else to discover this place (laughs) um so i I find this shop and i go and i would heard of it a long time ago i'd kind of forgotten that i'd heard of it i remember looking them up online and seeing pictures and not being terribly impressed so i just never went out there because i thought it'd be a waste of time but since i was it, it turned out it was just a few minutes from where I was, so I was like, "All right, let me go check this place out." So I go, and it was it was a decent little shop, and it but it was kind of weirdly laid out, you know, as far as you know the back issues, and it wasn't real clear like what what did stuff cost, you know? And so I'm digging around, and as I'm digging around, these two short boxes that are on the floor, kind of shoved under something, catch my eye. And they caught my eye because the first book in both of the bins was a, a Silver Age book, a Silver Age DC. So I, I sit down on the floor and I drag the boxes out and I start flipping through them. And maybe like one in every like 10 books has a price on it. All the rest of them don't have any prices on them whatsoever. So I'm digging through and I'm getting really intrigued and I'm getting excited by what I'm finding, but nothing's got a damn price on it. So I asked the kid behind the counter and and he was a kid and he once uh, at that point, he he hadn't spoken to me at all. I hadn't spoken to him. And so I turned to him and I was like, do you know how much the comics in this box are? And it's like, nothing's got a price on it. And he was the most like stoner dude clerk 
I've encountered in years. He was just like, yeah, oh, man. I, 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 there's not a what? Oh, I was gonna do the voice cracking, kid. Oh, I don't know, Sarah. Whatever you want to offer, you know. <laughs> what? No, he, I don't he know. Was, he was just—he was very dude. He was like, "Oh uh, yeah, dude. Um, and if there's if there's no price, then they're like uh, three dollars." And I'm like, "Yeah, you know, I don't want to question him. I don't want to be like, really? Are you sure? You know?" But Scott became duck. I get really excited. Exactly. So I'm going through it. And at this point, it's like if, if I have even the slightest interest in this book, I'm pulling it out. Right. So I go through and I, I end up pulling from each of the boxes. I basically at that point, I, what was left in there, I could have combined into one box. Right. I, I pulled out just about everything that was in there. And so then I've got this massive st- stack of comics that this kid has told me they are three bucks. And I'm thinking, there's there's no way these books are three dollars. There's you know nobody in the right mind is going to let these books go for three bucks. You know there's got to be a catch or he's wrong or he doesn't realize what box I'm looking through or whatever. So, you know there's still more stuff in the store to look through, but I'm thinking for one this is probably going to clean me out you know monetarily, but also I got to hurry up and make this purchase before somebody comes to their senses, right? So at this point, all right, I'm done. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to cash out. So I take the books up there, and he pulls the first one off the stack, which is one of the ones that doesn't have almost almost all of them had no price on them. So he pulls it off the stack, and he's kind of looking at it. And I'm thinking, shit, here it comes. You know, oh, I got to pull out the price guide. Or you whatever. wait for the price guide. You, everything will slow and, down and go in slow motion. You're like, oh shit. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, he. So what he does is as he picks each one of them up he comments on the cover and it's and it's almost invariably a smart ass remark about the covers because th- these are all silver age dcs so they're they're silly you know uh, many of them are so i like every single cover he's pulling it out and he's making a smart ass comment but because i'm basically ripping him off i, you can't I, just, say anything. I just stand there i suck it up yep, yep. i just yep. stand there yep. and let him do it and and I and I'm realizing this this is just some kid that's working here. He doesn't have a clue, right? So I'm like I'm praying that like whoever runs this shop doesn't like come out or whatever. So he's getting down to the the end of the pile, and the guy that I presume is the owner of the shop comes walking up. Jimmy, what like, are you doing? Oh. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh fuck, you know. So he comes up. And he he talks to the kid for a minute, and I'm sweating bullets the entire time. Like, oh shit, here it comes. Here he's gonna be like, what the hell are you doing? And he says, all right, well I'm leaving. He walks out the door, and that's it. The kid finishes ringing up. He gives me the total. I can't hand him the cash fast enough. I ring out. I jump in the car. I squeal the fuck out of there, and I'm done. Right. So here, I I just want to give you the list. All right. So here's what I got: three bucks a piece. Action Comics, two ninety one, three oh eight. These are twelve centers. Three oh eight, three seventeen, three twenty, three twenty eight, three seventy nine. I don't know the years on these, but I'm I'm thinking like sixties, right? I mean, these are all twelve centers. Well, three seventy nine is a fifteen center. 
Adventure Comics, 311. These are old Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes. 319, 336, 349. Here you go. Batman 164. This is... This isn't the first new look, I don't think, but it's one of the first new look Batmans, like one of the earliest ones. Batman 168, Batman 185. I know this one's pricey because I've I've actually looked this one up before because of one of the stories that's reprinted in it. Detective Comics 313. This is a pre-new look Batman, so very silver agey, you know, with the with the bat on his chest without uh, the the yellow circle around it. Uh, Detective Comics 320. This is the one I, I, you've probably seen this cover before with Batman and Robin, the mummy crime fighters, where they're both swinging in and they're wrapped up like mummies. Oh, yeah. Have you seen this one before? Mm-hmm. Uh, Detective Comics 322, where Batman is coming out of the lamp. He's a genie. He's like a bat genie coming out of the lamp. Have you seen that one before? It has... As uh, Batgirl, the one that was Bat uh, Dash Girl that had the red outfit. I can't remember. What was her name? Like Kathy, Kathy Keene or something like that? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Bat, uh, Detective Comics 328. Again, an early new look. Batman 338. Or, excuse me. That was Detective Comics, rather. Detective Comics 365, this is the one, uh, the house the Joker built, where there's a house that's shaped like the Joker's face that's shooting at them, uh, a, a Carmine Infantino cover. Uh, Detective 367, Detective 378 with the newspaper cover that says uh, the Batman-Robin split, and it has Robin punching Batman in the face. Here's one that uh, I'm hoping doesn't make uh, Paul too jealous. Karate Kid number one. And I was initially going to pick this up for him, but then I realized I needed it. I think I have it. Oh, you it. have it? I think I do. Oh, okay. I'm going to check while you go over you. What would you I know read? you and I are both hunting uh, Karate Kid issues. I think I only need yeah, like I have, two. I, I only have three issues. I have one, three, and 14. Oh, okay. <laughs> What, what uh, would you – so I pulled up Action Comics issue uh, 379 and pulled uh, up mycomicshop.com. Right. What, do you, what, what would you say is the condition of the books of, like, that one um, roughly? Of that it, particular one roughly? Probably good. Good? All right, because the prices yeah. for good run the gambit because it's, like, good, very good, starts at, like, 570 and then right. a good – I guess with a one they're looking at saying it's a 1.8 rating is 3.30. And then there's one, what the hell is PR? Pretty ratty. Poor. Poor. Oh, poor. Duh. That's only $2. So $2 for a poor um, FR good uh, rating that's of one point. Fair. fair. That's two ninety. So actually you probably play, paid about market value. Although they they have a don't, good that goes all the bubble, Bill. No, 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 no. They have a good. They have a good, <laughs> very good that goes all the way up to five seventy, uh, and a good, very you know, yeah, five seventy. So yeah, you yeah you you got it. Well, because if you had gone to a freaking some of the places that I know of, that would probably be like a ten dollar book because they're just trying exactly. to exactly. You know, oh yeah. my god, oh exactly. it's ten dollars. I gotta buy it. 
you know. Well, well mycomicshop.com now, you know, I, I feel like, you know, they, they should pay us money for me saying this, but mycomicshop.com, they're, they're one of the best, they're probably the best comic site that's out there because I've been using them a lot lately because their prices are really good and really fair. And I, I feel like they actually take the time to properly grade their books and charge accordingly. Whereas, uh, what you're talking about, uh, you know, where they just go, oh, this is, uh, you know, a Superman number 200. Uh, well, it doesn't matter that it's in ratty ass condition. I'm going to charge top, you know, price guide value for it. I experienced that not long ago because I bought a, um, uh, an Aquaman, I think it was 46, I think. It's, uh, it's a Jim Apero issue of, uh, of Aquaman where, um, it's either Aquaman or Aqualad is holding Tula on the cover of it and got it home and realized the damn thing was, uh, uh, you know, not coverless, but, uh, you know, where the cover wasn't, uh, attached and it was cover detached. I'm like, what the hell? You know, they, they charged me. I mean, it was a decent price, but it was a decent price for a decent book. It, you know, they didn't disclose that there was any damage to the book. You know, and you don't usually when you're at the comics, I don't know about you, but I don't usually go through the book. I'm trusting them that it's complete and it's, you know, if there's any major flaws that it's notated, you know, that yeah. there's flaws like it's missing a Marvel stamp or whatever. Well, I get it home it. and, and the damn beware. cover wasn't even attached to the book. Fire beware, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I, I did take that into account because I bought a lot of uh, of stuff from uh from my comic shop lately. And I've acquired a lot of, um, Superman titles from this general era from them for around two bucks an issue. Um, so yeah, I, I had considered that, but there's still, there's some of the, you know, some of these action ones and, you know, some of the Superman titles, they probably, you know, three bucks is probably a fair price, but again, try to find them somewhere. Yes. Yeah, trying price. to find a store that actually will give you a fair price. Like I think the exactly. place that I that I found that I took you to in Brandon, that guy's fairly fair with his pricing. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that that's very uncommon though. I mean, you know, you take any of these detective issues that I got right here, I guarantee you you're not gonna find these books for three bucks anywhere. You know? Which that may very well be, you know, with the condition that they're in, three bucks might actually be the fair market value, but you're 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 not gonna like this one with the the uh, mummy Batman and Robin. I, I guarantee you, you're not gonna see that for less than ten dollars on any in any comic shop. You're just not because it's it's old and you know so the the prices that are being charged for books these days aren't necessarily realistic. You know at least in the comic shop because well because a lot of co comic shops have rent to pay and they're doing anything they can exactly. just to stay in business because exactly. they're sure as hell not making it on the new books. They're making it on and all the merchandise and their back issues is what they're trying to stay alive with. Well, they're also factoring in things that don't necessarily really come into play. So, you know, is this issue important? Is it relevant? Is it hot? No, it's old and it's kind of rare because you don't see it every day. And they're taking that into account, which and doesn't then then really they put on top it. of that. Oh, it's it's hot. And then the price becomes goddamn ridiculous oh yeah it is it's awful well i won't go through the rest of these just for time but uh i mean the rest of it, there's a, a bunch of uh super boys and 
a ton of Supermans that are all pre-issue 200. So I I was thrilled with these, man. I, 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 I couldn't believe my luck with this. So I will be going back to that shop in, in the future in the hopes that uh, – that it wasn't just a fluke, you know, that I, you know, that maybe it'll happen again. But that's the best uh, score that I've had from a comic shop, you know, like that in a long, long time. I mean, that to me was that was like a flea market find. You know what I mean? But yeah. to find it at a comic shop that actually, you know, that they should, you know, they should know their business. They should know better. But apparently he did. He either didn't know better or he just didn't give a shit. One or the other. And I'm not sure which it was, but. Well, I thought it was awesome. I mean, there's been stuff around my house lately that I've been looking at, and I'm just like, uh, you know, things after my mom passed away that I brought over, and I'm just like, uh, you know, we can put this on eBay. I'm like, you know what? I'm just go- I found someone that is interested in this who's a friend of mine. I'm going to give it to them. I don't care. I can't lug this some of this stuff around anymore. You know, right? And and, and you know, maybe this guy's running the store. And he's just like, I need to move some of this stuff. It's just been sitting here for years. That's not going anywhere. If I could get something out of it, maybe I can get something else in here that'll, you know, free up some floor space. In yeah, some know. places, well, I mean, you know what? I, I do I, think the comic back issue collector might be a dying breed too. So they, you know, the, these places that are charging top dollar for their back issues may be finding that they're just not getting the sales that they expect. Because this comic well, book is going to end. I agree with what you're saying, but that I, I really don't think that was the case with this particular shop. What, what I honestly think I found, what I think I stumbled across was a couple of boxes that were in the process of being priced and worked into the back stock that weren't intended to be you know, per, mm. perused and purchased from because – when I went through the stuff that was like more properly on display, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. that stuff was this, it was this same general era and those books were priced about what I would expect. You know, so like say for example, I, I have here, I have action 291 and then the next one action 308. Say I found like action like 303, 303 was like 10 or $15 priced which was about what I would expect to find it at a, at a comic shop. And so that, that right there makes me think they, they weren't unaware of what these were worth or whatever, just for whatever reason, this box that I found was, mm. was not priced. And this, this kid, like I say, he either didn't know, or he just didn't give a shit. And I kind of think it's probably the latter. He, he struck me as just, you know, he, he works there. He collects a paycheck. He doesn't really know shit about comics, you know, and and I'm hoping that is the case. I'm hoping that works to my advantage. <laughs> I'm also hoping it's the, it, it's the case, you know, so that he doesn't, you know, end up losing a job over it or something. Because I did, you know, I, I thought of that, too, and that would make me feel bad, you know. But then again, not bad, not bad enough to return the books. Though. Oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say too bad. Snooze, you lose. But no, I. That was I thought that was pretty awesome, but that's all I got. But yeah, I will uh, I will take you to that place next time you're uh, over in this neck of the woods, Doctor Bill. I think uh, I think you would like it. Take me to the river. <laughs> okay, and as Bill goes to the river, I guess we're going to call an end to this week's <laughs> show. <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening, and thank you guys for being you.
Me? Yeah. Being no. you? Oh, being me. I gotta be me. Free to be you and me. <laughs> Free to do I what I have know. that album. Is that with Marlo Thomas? Marlo Thomas, yes. That girl. Well, you guys, well, you guys are old. Yes, we are. <laughs> anyway, have a good night, everybody. Now is time to say <laughs> good night. Good night. Sleep tight. Come on, what Beatles album is that? That would be the White Album. Oh, God. I believe Paul got it. What are you saying? The White, the White album, album, right? Yeah. Is it White Album? I couldn't remember. I know I knew the song. I couldn't remember which album. Yeah, there's it was. that nice one, and then there's one right after that. It scared the bejesus out of me. When I believe I that's that. followed by Helter Skelter. No, no, no. There's another one that goes that just like yeah, the one is like screaming. I fell asleep and then woke up is to that Yoko? one. No, I don't no, know. Yoko didn't do any songs on any Beatle albums. She she didn't get to do any songs until we got to solo stuff. Man, now I want to listen to the White Album, but it's freaking ten o'clock at night. That ain't happening. Yeah. Good night. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at twotruefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Nah, that sucks. <laughs>